Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another edition of On the Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotton Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. On today's edition, in Spain, some people reckon Real Madrid got beaten in the first leg of their heavyweight Champion League draw against PSG by one of their own. Question is, what's Kylian Mbappe got to do with it? Elsewhere, football's next generation of coaches did battle in Austria. Can Julian Nagelsmann sort out Bayern's niggling problems and... 5-0, that's the sound of the police, 5-0, that's the sound of the beast. But in Lisboa, that's the sound of Man City banging them in uh, to add insult to a week in which Sporting were already badly wounded. Should we start and kick off today, gentlemen, by talking about the Mbappe show? Did you see that the other night? Might have done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Might have done, indeed. Yeah, he's the matinee idol as uh, PSG took on Real Madrid. 1-0, though. David, was that a fair outcome for this? Um, I think it probably was fair in the end. I think PSG certainly deserved to win. I think they did enough um, in terms of their attack and intent. I thought they took ownership of the game straight away. when you think about, I mean, Courtois made some some good saves, but I wouldn't say in the second half the PSG really broke the door down. Um, I think the Neymar sub kind of lifted them a little bit. It got the crowd up. It got everybody else just a little bit more, a bit more, you know, excited, shall we say? It got them back pressing. It got them back playing a bit more with a bit more intensity. And then I think Mbappe was always threatening throughout the game to do something individual, um, and he went and did that, and it was. It was the mark of a, an elite player, quite frankly. And it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I, I think the way that Real Madrid played, for which have been roundly criticised in a, a lot of places, I, I think it was quite logical. A, in the way that Real Madrid are nowadays, in that, as we've discussed, they're more Atletico than Atletico are, because Atletico aren't Atletico anymore, particularly if you saw the, 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 the Los de Levante, which um, came, came before last night's Champions League games. But the, the other thing is however Real Madrid want to play, if you've got Mbappe and Di Maria on the other team, you're not going to defend on the halfway line unless you're completely stupid. You know, and what was so impressive really about Mbappe's performance, Real Madrid were happy for the whole game to defend their own penalty box in that way that Atletico used to be. Like not defend their own half, defend their own box. And you're taking over one of the main Mbappe weapons because one of the most exhilarating sights in football is watching him stream away from the defence. How can you 
if they're all in front of you. So he's got to find a different way to do it. And he did find a different way to do it. It's an amazing way he found to do it. I'm not quite sure how he found that way, to be honest. That's the thing. uh, Neymar's had credit, and as David says, quite rightly, he did lift the crowd, but he's had credit for the the back heel that gives the ball to Mbappe in the first place. But it's, it's not anywhere approaching a chance no, at, at the point sure, sure. That, that he gets the ball. But there's there's this great bit when he sees the moment to go between Lucas Vasquez and Eda Militao and he just goes between the two of them and Militao lifts his hands to say, I, I, I can't do anything here, to say, I can't touch him. And actually, the bit where Carvajal, wasn't it, before uh, Vasquez gave away the penalty, that is still living in Madrid minds then because they're thinking if he goes outside we can't touch him if he goes inside we can't touch him they don't dare go anywhere near him it's too fast for them it's too fast he's, he's too fast short... he's too agile his feet are absolutely incredible um now i think he understands that even with the smallest space his skill set he's like he can conjure something out of nothing Scary. and it is the, the mark of a true true top player only the very best players do that you won't get an average player producing a moment of genius like that and and that is why he is that good right now but the, the, the clarity of thought as well yeah because normally if you interview a player afterwards our friend miguel delaney pointed this out when mbappe came out to talk to the media afterwards in, in the mix zone, normally a player goes, well, you know, I was just uh, happy to contribute for the team. Yes, and, yes, yes, you, yes. you know, I just saw the chance and I took it, whatever. He explained exactly what went through his mind. And that's the amazing thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just in- instinctive. He plotted it. He plotted every single bit of it. It's amazing. Yeah, he, he's a quick thinker. I haven't figured out how he did that, David. I've I've watched that goal over and over and over again. I, I get the point that Andy makes that the other defenders are afraid, particularly as they've already given away a penalty. However, I, I don't know how any youngster watching that is going to be able to replicate it. They'll be trying. Yeah, they'll be trying. Listen, I was George Best. I tried when I was a kid. Yeah. But on a real tip, do you, can you explain it? How, how he got through that? Because he's got he's got three defenders yeah. around him, and and this he's coming in from the left uh-huh. at three defenders. So the angle is narrow, and mm-hmm. you think the best the only thing he can do is pass backwards, or at least a very well, at least alongside him. But he manages to find the one one possible. Uh, uh, what would they say? You know, eye of the needle. Yes, to yeah. thread yeah. his way through and. It was fine margins, one centimetre here or there, yep. and he wouldn't have succeeded. How on earth does somebody do that? And when Andy says he had to think about it as well, uh-huh. then you think, no. So it wasn't luck? He, no, he, he processes things extremely, extremely quick. You, you you look at the way he analyses things on the field, I think, in the areas that he knows where to target. And I think that's where it is. I think he's extremely, extremely smart anyway. But also, he has that now, I mean, the finish was was ruthless. It really, really was. It was brutal, the finish. We talk about the move before, but the finish was ruthless as well. And I think that's where he's got right now. It's just a lot of instinct to do these things just right in an instant. He thinks about them and then he does them rather than second-guessing himself and going, oh, should I maybe go this way? He knows straight away what he wants to do. And he's stuck to a particular area of the pitch. I mean, yeah. Carvajal received a bit of criticism for his performance, which I thought was a little unfair because yeah. there simply wasn't the cover. It, no, the never, yeah, I was going to say he gets a lot of this, but yeah, if the cover isn't there, then I'm not too sure. I was, I was really surprised that they left it for so long because Carvajal's mm. form has been anywhere, even in isolation, uh, poor, 
by his previous standards. And for somebody who's, I think he's 30 now, he looks like somebody who's playing about 35, 36. He, mm. he looks really like a, play, a man who's played like a lot of football, uh, had injuries and such like that. And I think it's really, really grinded on him. And th- he's never, also, we, we discussed this before we came on air, um, Real Madrid, uh, they haven't really compensated for these players either because mm. um, they, they've let Modric perhaps play more football than he should have and, and Carvajal's another one. Not really had a proper replacement, proper cover to, to help prolong their career at a, at a high, high level. No, that's it. And I, I think when when Vasquez comes on, you almost wonder if Vasquez needs to come on to to help Carvajal rather than replace him. Maybe that would have been the play because I think the, the, the big thing about this, and actually before we get to Real Madrid, I think we should discuss well, Mbappe because A, it's good to discuss him more and B, discuss the Madrid Reaction: The Madrid media's oh, reaction. This is amazing. I, I saw. Was it you that tweeted this about the reaction of uh, the Madrid media saying he's one of our own? Anyway, yeah, he's, all the, all he's the, one of our own. Yeah, all, all, the, all, the, all the covers of the big Madrid sports play papers, like Marco Arasa, like this guy's amazing. Not not Real Madrid play terribly, or um, we're in danger of going out of the Champions League. More. This guy's going to be ours next season. Yeah. And uh, there was one editorial uh, describing him as uh, the, the best signing in the history of the club. <laughs> of course, he hasn't. He hasn't actually inked it yet. And I do wonder if you, you're Kylian Mbappe. Clearly, Paris Saint-Germain aren't going to give up on re-signing him until the moment has actually gone. Now there have been reports that um, Real Madrid have already signed him for next season, unconfirmed. I don't think the money will sway his mind, but I think this game is the best argument that PSG have got because it's at least we're moving in a direction. At least we have a plan. Real Madrid, you're going there to a team that, okay, you're going to make a massive difference to it, but you make a massive difference to any team. There are so many other areas of that team that are in flux. And you look particularly at that midfield that's been wonderful over the years, but basically a mobile now yeah. it's shown up to be a mobile in this game yeah absolutely and if you look at PSG and their recruitment really um, really recently uh, you'd say they've got Hakimi they've got Nuno Mendes they're starting to build get exciting young players it's they're kind of moving away a little bit from from just having superstars just getting the big names they're building and it feels like they're building something that can go around Mbappe Um I think Real Madrid's probably got a lot more catching up to do in that sense. They've got some good young players, don't get me wrong. But I think PSG are in a really nice position to say to Mbappe, honestly, where's better right now than here? They, you know, I mean, there's only Real Madrid that's been mentioned um, for Mbappe. So it doesn't sound like uh, a Manchester City or whoever is even a possibility. Um, But PSG, I think, can probably be confident in their own ability. And look, I mean, they shouldn't need to audition or show Mbappe what they have um, they've got they've already got a lot and they can go far in this competition with him at that level and, and also Mbappe shouldn't be auditioning uh, no. for the role either should he he should on be either to, side well, yeah. <laughs> it's, his, it's his team it's his city it's, yeah. it's exactly you know everything should be should be his it's his kingdom it, exactly and he shouldn't be having to say my name is yeah. my name is my name is <laughs> Slim Shady because no because they've got Eminem at PSG so Mbappe is one half of the M the other half surely is Messi and in terms of Eminem I would rather have just had an M because the other M 
wasn't it the races? You know what? I, I, think... I didn't know where you were going with that, but I applaud you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I worked hard. <laughs> um, and also, thanks for the Super Bowl, of course, that reminded me that my name is, my name is, how has Messi's impact? This is from APJ1989. Um, and we always welcome your tweets, by the way, and your contact by social media, your questions. How has Messi's impact or lack thereof been viewed in Paris. And if Mbappe, the other Eminem, is on his way, who do PSG sign? Well, they can't get a like-for-like like replacement for him. And like I said, they're not at the point yet where they're willing to accept that he'll actually go. Um, are they deluding I've, themselves, though? Um, maybe. I, I, I think they, in, in terms of due diligence, they owe it to themselves to believe that he will stay until the moment that it's absolutely official that that, that he doesn't um, from a public relations point of view as much as anything else because as, as you say you know he is the one with the future if they're left with just and we've said it time and again on this show this season if they're left with just Neymar and Messi uh, uh, it sounds ridiculous when you think of the names it, it, I, don't, I don't think that's that pretty I, th- I think that's a lot of wages for, you know, declining forces now. And, 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 and that's that's where they are. Um, clearly, you know that Neymar can't get through the entire season. No one's saying, well, people are saying, I'm not saying that it's, it's his fault. And then Messi, who, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a performance in a top-level Champions League game between two such big clubs that's divided opinion so much because they've been the defenders of Messi who will say that, you know, he's aging, but aging in an acceptable way. Gracefully. Yeah. And there are others who will say, is this all that PSG are, are getting? I, I think there's a, there's a little bit of both there. I think clearly you can see his age now. Um, but then again, if you go back to... What, go back seven years. Go go back to the 2015 final where Barcelona won it last. And the point that Messi is picking up the ball there is in the centre circle. That, that is the point where he's getting it. He's just got two amazing runners in front of him in young Neymar and young girl Luis Suarez, who are the players who are meant to allege the impact of him getting older and having a lot of miles on, on the clock. Now, this is why Messi plus... Mbappe or Neymar plus Mbappe makes sense, but not okay. the three of them, yeah. which which is the difficulty. I actually thought in terms of progressing the ball, Messi did a pretty good job. I think you look at the incisive passes played out to either side, they all come from him. The passing's going in the right direction. There's no sideways. But what about the end product? When you look at Messi or any great player like that, you're thinking, great, you're a great passer. And, and that's, you know, a lot of people mm. can pass the ball, but it's your end product that makes a difference. And in that respect, he let the side and himself down on two well, did, very did, critical... Did he, did he though? Or did has, he? Did has, he not? has Leonardo, in building the team that he has or building the unfinished team slash squad that he has let him down. I would argue that is more the case because if you look at, take away Verratti, midfielders are all much of a muchness. You know, there are a lot of midfielders at PSG that do the same thing. They're heading into that Juventus zone, really. So then you need Messi to to go through the gears, to to, to, to cover the ground. 
um, which is which is difficult. I think it's especially difficult against the pack defense. And the thing that we keep forgetting to talk about with Messi when we're talking about how he's had a, a limited impact this season, he has had a limited impact this season. Not just that he's adapting to France, and it is tough adapting to being kicked a lot more, um, especially when you're not fast enough to get away from it anymore. He hasn't had a preseason. I mean, I don't think you can judge Messi at PSG until he has a preseason. What player in football history can have no preseason and come and totally smash it? Mm. Yeah, it does look as if he hasn't had a preseason as well. There were moments when you looked and thought, I mean, the the I suppose crucial moments with regards to Messi was a free kick and a penalty mm. both missed. Um, I mean, you don't miss a free kick, but you know what I mean. The, what struck me about the penalty... And it's sad because, you know, we've all loved this player and we've seen what he can do. What struck me about the penalty, it was saved. The old Messi would have anticipated it possibly being saved, mm. would have been halfway down towards the goal mouth and mm. caught the, because the keeper basically diverted it to his left, he would have caught it before it went out of touch and probably banged it in again. Yeah. But you, this was you a Messi. Think, because I, I, th- I think Messi is simply not a good penalty taker. No. I don't think he's good ones. And all, also, don't get me wrong, also, I had my issues with him in that game. I thought he was very laboured. I, I agree with you. I thought he was really laboured. I thought a lot of his touches were very, very heavy. I thought he got surrounded quickly and, and held onto the ball for far too long at times. So I, I was very disappointed with him. Um, but I'd agree with Andy on the on the penalty, just not on the actual overall performance. And we, we can't forget, of course, Thibaut Courtois has got an argument for being the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, on a rumor had nothing fantastic. to do. <laughs> so maybe we no, can't so tell him that exactly. head to head. No, <laughs> you never know. There is a bigger question we should address now, and, and that is where do PSG go from here? Not just in terms of the Champions League, you know, the next half, if you like, of this tie against Real Madrid, but I'm looking at Pochettino there. I'm looking at Mauricio Pochettino. I'm thinking, he, where does he go from here? He was, you know, uh, unveiled with such... Um, you know, pomp, pomp and ceremony. But here, he does seem to be something of a lost man. Did he have any impact on this game? I, th- I think he made a big impact okay. on, on, on the way they played. And I think particularly bearing in mind that Real Madrid, as he knew they would, were, were going to gonna sit deep. The patience that he gave the team, the changes that he made at, at the right time. I think this was one of the, the, the best PSG performances under Poch. Yeah. On the other yeah. hand... Whenever I see Di Maria in the team, and Di Maria didn't have the impact that he would have wanted, partially because Real Madrid sat so deep, I think um, you, you look back five years and you look at when PSG beat Barcelona 4-0 at Camp Nou, and that was perfection under Unai Emery. And then <laughs> they, they, they go to Camp Nou and we know what the rest is, you know, so... You know, there's no suggestion that Real Madrid can necessarily do that to, mm. to PSG, although I wouldn't rule them out of this tie. But I would just say that one um, calling card of a European performance does does not make a legacy. What happens to Pochettino? There are already question marks about his departure from PSG. And it does seem as if uh, Mbappe because he's the guy that's worked with him over the last uh, couple of years or so, it does seem as if Mbappe's departure, uh, at least this is one of the narratives, that Mbappe's departure 
if he goes to Real Madrid, all of this is speculation, will hasten the departure of Pochettino from PSG as well? I think unless there's some major turnaround and everybody comes together uh, and unifies at PSG and sometimes a, a run in the Champions League can do that sort of thing, then I don't see any other thing than, than Pochettino leaving and probably ended up in Manchester. I really, honestly, I feel so confident of that happening. Do both Mbappe and Pochettino end up in Madrid? I, I, I wonder if that's a question. <laughs> I will say that this game, this this tie, so far, yeah, this tie so far, has kind of put a spanner in the works. I was quite sure that he was probably going to go to Real Madrid, but I don't know. The noises seem to be, there seems to be more noise about him staying now. And it, yeah, I wouldn't be as surprised if he stayed now. Let's put it that way. And somebody please tell Carlo Ancelotti. Of course, there were other Champions League ties. The one that caught my eye, just because it didn't look like I had to sort of like second uh, take a second look at this one, was in the uh, tie between uh, Bayern and the um, Austrian uh, team Salzburg. They got a draw against Bayern Munich. How did they do that? Well, no disrespect to Salzburg, but you know, we're talking about a team that knows its Champions League, uh, recent Champions League, very, very well. And it yeah, we have very much intact as well. Yeah. I, I, I mean, but before, maybe before we go, get on to Salzburg, actually, because I, I know David really wants to speak about them and I, I thought they were, they were great. Um, Bayern have, have got a bit of an issue at the moment and there is a growing belief in Germany that the team as is cannot win the Champions League, which I think is quite interesting. Now, they came on to, into the back of this off um, losing 4-2 at Borkham uh, at the weekend. First time they conceded four goals in a first half since November 1975. Just in case you needed underlining like the, where their defensive problems are, Hassan Salahamidzic, the sporting director, was interviewed um, on television before this game against Salzburg and he, it was put to him what people had been saying about the, the defence. He was asked about what uh, Lothar Mateus's words words about it and he said, I don't give a damn what, what, what Lothar thinks. So he's obviously a bit piqued even though um, Mateus is, a, is not short of a prickly opinion or two. It is interesting. They did a big... Um, article about it in, in Kicker this week and they asked Jerome Boateng who of course was one of those players who moved on from that he talked about creating relationships and I, I think that's absolutely true when it, it, it comes to the defence um, Dario Pumacano who had a really bad game at the weekend at, at Bolcom he was dropped for this game um, I saw that Bolcom one and that, that was more shocking if you think about oh, the totally, results yeah. to, totally and I think no more than the moment when Christian Gamboa of course West Bromwich Albion fans might remember him from a short spell there, scored his first Bundesliga goal from right back when he nutmegged Kingsley Coman and then smashed goal. it in the top really corner. Well. It was brilliant. Yeah. And, and Bochum were great. We have to say that. But the way in which they defended in a lot of this game against Salzburg, they were lucky that Salzburg didn't take a few of their chances, particularly in the, the first hour. It was all just a bit slow, a bit lackadaisical. You feel that that 
relationship between that renewed relationship between Pavard and Zule is isn't quite there as as, as well. So they've got issues, but I th- I think it's a shape issue really. They went into the game against Bochum at the weekend with one attacking player too many, but basically playing um, Thomas Muller in a kind of central midfield role. Bad idea. It left them open. It leaves that defence open. And then what do they do? They they come into this game with exactly the same front part of the team. We know they've got lots of incredible talent. It doesn't mean they should all play at the same time. Yeah. I mean, for me, there was only one player who played well for Bayern, and that was Kingsley Common. Mm. I thought he was outstanding. And what I liked, we'll get into Salzburg in a minute, but I want to give Common his credit because I think... There's a kind of stigma around a lot of wingers that, you know, that they, they wait for the game to, to come to them. Mm. They'll stay out wide. They'll watch the game pass them by, wait for the ball. They'll there put, is some truth in this, yeah, obviously. They'll, they'll put their hands on the hips. <laughs> they'll throw their arms out. Why am I not getting the ball? Come on, I'm this good. He grafted away, grafted and grafted. Every time that Bayern lost the ball, he went to try and get it back. He worked for that goal, didn't yeah. he? Oh, yeah. yeah. When he was in the corners, he was trying to beat somebody one-on-one. Maybe he wasn't successful, but he chased the man who lost the ball to. His attitude was excellent throughout the game, and it wasn't a surprise to me, again, that he engineered that goal himself. Mm. Not, as, not as beautiful as Mbappe's individual bit of brilliance, but it was of a, of a different sort, just a graft desire, and I really admired that from him. So he was great. And then, speaking about Muller, he was just, don't get me wrong, the whole Bayern team, I think, were caught a deer in the headlights by... The, the energy, the the personality that Salzburg uh, came out with. Personality is a good word in this, the I think. The opening yeah. 20, 25 minutes was brilliant. But I, I think Muller was just standing, almost just watching just the game going by, as if, you, as if you're watching a ball going left or right on a tennis court. He was just watching the, <laughs> the game go by. This, this brilliant just whirlwind of a team in Salzburg, the way that they started. Um, I think maybe a lack of composure, um, inexperience showed when it came to the final third at times I, there was a couple of good chances that they had they probably should have finished off there was one when Pavard cleared it off the line as well at 1-0 and then I think about that 10 was min- from Adamu yeah, as well, yeah. wasn't yeah. It? in the second half yeah. and about 10 minutes later that is when Coleman equalised so in the sense that people don't think that Bayern will win this competition I can see that because can you, can you imagine if Mbappe is left up against that Bayern defence, he will absolutely maul them to finish the league. All he needs to do is create a half a yard and then boom, he's finishing. Mm. Unfortunately, the Salzburg finishing wasn't quite up there, but take nothing away. They were fantastic. They they really, really were. There was a few individual performances I thought were really good, but as a unit, they all work for each other. A lot of the talk these days is on Adeyemi. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Brilliant. He really is a fantastic player. But... um, Camera in midfield, uh, in midfield from from Mali. What a player he is! And you can just see, look, we've we've seen some brilliant African midfielders in Europe, and he is clearly primed to to be the next one to come over here. Yeah. that's what I think he's primed for. And you, know, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of big teams in Europe who are lacking that holder at the moment. Oh, one hundred percent. He's 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 got a really nice balanced skill set. And don't get me wrong, he's a different type of player to the player that I'm going to mention, but. He has the similar traits of being combative and physical, but also very composed, but very efficient on the ball. And I'd compare him to Yaya Toure in that sense. Now, he's a different type midfielder, but they've got very, very similar skill sets. I think the way that they use the ball and they balance their skill sets. And he was fantastic. He was winning the ball back every 50-50 he was winning, but he was also distributing really well. And the goal 
came from his long ball that started a very quick counter-attack that was about he just played a long ball over the top cut out Bayern's midfield entirely mm. and mm. gave Adeyemi a, a one-on-one situation uh, which is what you want him in so yeah he's he's going to be one to watch in the next few years and I said Andy or oh, two or three years he's probably a big club and Andy's like might be sooner than that <laughs> <laughs> indeed I wasn't on the but, phone to anyone at the time <laughs> but, so, no. just letting you know but um the the uh, Bayern players would have taken a close look at him. What's going to happen in the next leg between these two teams? I, I think Bayern have got some stuff to iron out. Now, they usually do iron it out. What's been interesting is the talk recently that it's all been a little bit too happy under under Nagelsmann. He's a very holistic approach to, to coaching, mm. as, as we know. And, you know, there are some old voices around Bayern, you know, those that aren't in the boardroom anymore, like Hernes and Rummenigge, who are like, well, it's not really the way we do things. It's a culture of debate, by which they mean constant argument. Mm. You know, and that is how stuff gets done. That's how the status quo gets gets challenged. And, you know, there's a feeling that maybe a bit of friction is needed to, 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 to get past some of those things. But Salzburg aren't out of this at all, particularly given that, you know, I think it's easy to look at the game and say, well, they conceded the goal in the 90th minute, therefore they lost a golden opportunity to to beat Bayern. I don't really look at it that way. I think David was talking about it, how much energy they expended in the first hour of that game. They were hanging on for a long, long time. And I think to get out of it with a draw, given how the last half hour went, it's actually fine. Camera is a huge part of that. If you haven't got him sitting in front of the defence, they get absolutely overrun in that last half hour when they can't run anymore. But what they can do, Bayern is still going to have a high line in three weeks' time. They go to Munich... Adeyemi, who looks like he's going to sign for Dortmund in the summer, so you know he's going to have some battles with Bayern going down the line. You look at him, if they can get Okafor fit again, because of course Adamu came on early for Okafor, it's a really terrific link normally between um, Okafor and Adeyemi. They've got the pace and they've got the intelligence to get at them. Brendan Aronson, who was great in that first hour, he can pick out the passes as, mm-hmm. as well. Of course, Leeds United wanted him in, in, in winter. There's plenty of ways for them to to, to get up Bayern. And what, of course, they don't have is we've had a lot of chat this week about the away goal. The away goal thing's not weighing on them. If it's it's still nil-nil, there's never going to be a point where they're like, shit, we've got to take some risks and score a goal. No, you don't. You know, they they can, I think, play the game at at more of a a manageable pace in Munich, maybe. By, by, you know, letting Bayern have the ball and counter-attacking naturally. Yeah, just for those who don't, aren't aware of the reference to the away goal, it's no, it's not in this round, it's not applicable. So No, it's it, going to be a fair the knockouts fight. going forward, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fair yeah. fight. So Re- Real Madrid were very aware of it. <laughs> a little. <laughs> um, but, you know, really impressive display amongst other things uh, as well by the um, Salzburg uh, coach amongst others. And uh, there, I, I, I think one of the issues when you look at this is maybe we underestimate teams coming from Austria. I, I, I get the fact sometimes, with the exception of PSG and maybe Lyon and maybe uh, Lille in France, you know that the French league ain't up to that. But those three teams lift it 
and not just, you know, I could have added Marseille and uh, maybe Nice. But you don't well. have to. Don't feel okay, you have no, to. No, no, let's add five. Let's throw big five. I don't know who those equivalents are in Austria, but we don't respect that league as much. And here's a team coming out, taking on uh, the, you know, arguably a couple of years ago, at least, the best team in the, in the world and holding them to a draw. I think it's happened for several years because I think Shakhtar had a similar situation a few years ago when when they were so good in Europe when they first came to the fore so I think people were so so used to seeing Dinamo Kiev mm. and the fact that Shakhtar came through they had a few Brazilians in their squad and such and I think they'd always played an exciting brand of football I think they shocked a lot of people as well a lot of, I think a lot of big clubs underestimated them when they first came um, through in Europe and and every now and then this this does happen mm. it happened funnily enough with Kiev as well I remember Kiev in the 90s mm. with Rebrov and mm. Shevchenko yeah. they had an incredible tie I think it was I think it was against Bayern actually yeah it was yeah, yeah and they really really rattled Bayern and I think they were under. I remember there was a lot of uh, disparaging things I think said about Kiev before, and um, and this is a great example that you do. You just write it off because they because they're not from one of the major leagues. I think even uh, Bayern would probably take a club from from Portugal more seriously. But when you come from Austria, if you come from Ukraine, you're perhaps not taken seriously. But if you've got a few individuals who can spin a game on its head, uh, like Salzburg have, then. You shouldn't underestimate. I think you look at the model as well with both. Of course, there's slightly different models between Shakhtar, as, as you mentioned, uh, and, and Salzburg. Really saying that they're an Austrian league team or a Ukrainian league team, it's kind of missing the point. They're, they're in a bubble of their own because of the way they run things so much differently. So with... Um, Shakhtar, of course, it was the investment in a certain type of player and a certain type of philosophy. This is about philosophy as well, what Salzburg are doing and what they've been doing for, for years. Now, of course, they went years and years and years continually flunking the exam to get in the group stage of the Champions League. There were what, seven, eight years in a row where they went out in the, in, in the, in the playoff round. And then when Oscar Garcia was the, the coach there, he was given the brief of, from now on, we're going to be doing it just with young players. So we'll leave that with you. Now, in the short term, that was complicated for him. But we know what the Red Bull group has in terms of facilities, in terms of the way they use money, in terms of the type of players they buy in, in terms of the sports science and the coaching that they employ. That's why you go a couple of years back and you've got Holland. Pats and Daka, et cetera, et cetera. Going further back, you've got Sadio Mane, haven't you? Although that's a slightly different case. And then you sort of come to this. And, you know, the, the amount of players that Salzburg have lost in the last couple of years, on paper, they should not be able to challenge Bayern. But their process is so good that the next cab off the ranks always coming. Yep. And thank you both for discussing Ukraine uh, without any reference to Moscow. Thank you. In Champions frente a Esta puede ser buena. Abayemi, brazo! Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Join Luke Moore and me, Pete Donaldson, for an unplanned half hour where we discuss life's great mysteries like can a man survive by eating roadkill as well as the week's most bizarre news stories and your ridiculous adventures like this one about an almost catastrophic shortcut. We eventually came to a large railed fence which I decided we should climb. I scaled the 15 foot-ish fence and as I was sat atop ready to jump down, three or four police came running from a little building we hadn't noticed before shouting at me and grabbing my mate Sam. I was faced with the choice of legging it onto the other side of the fence or gallantly going back to help my friend. I returned to Sam and the quite pissed off police and my gallantry was rewarded as they advised me that I had been climbing into the zoo and would have landed in an animal enclosure. Listen to The Look at Pete Show wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Luke and Pete Show is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Of course, in this round of 16, there's another, there's another great, well, we hope to be a great tie, but another great match, I should say. Can we call it a great tie when one of the teams hammers the other team? No, you can't. Five goes no, you, no, can't. you can't. You no, can't. can't. You no. can't. Okay. Well, let me pack my bags and go home. Do you guys want to tell us what we can call it then? <laughs> Well, look, it's it's been a it's been a tough week for sporting generally. You wondered after what happened domestically last weekend if Europe would be a bit of a break for them. But then again, playing Manchester City is never a, a a break, is it? Now, of course, we we had this email last week, didn't we, from Matea, our listener. Of course, yes. About how he was uh, taking his, his, his girlfriend to the classical. Yes. Well, we've got we've had another communication with him as well. Uh, he he says, um, just wanted to say thank you so much for answering my question on OTC last week. What a game, eh? Because he went along with his missus uh, or his other half. Uh, we went for the pre-match Bifanas, just as Andy and Lars suggested, and we didn't regret that. Would they have regretted anything else? No, well, 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 no, because they weren't the ones scrapping on the pitch at the end. Um, yeah, Matteo sent me a, a, a picture. Thank you very much, by the way, of a, a pint, pint of Superbock looking very crisp and a Bifana next to it. And... Um, yeah, I mean, this was it, was it was a dramatic game. It was everything that it, it, it promised to be. Sporting took a 2-0 lead. If you haven't seen the goals, you've probably seen the punch-up, but not the goals. I would advise you to go back and look at particularly the second Sporting goal scored by uh, Nuno Santos, which is the culmination of a quite incredible passing move, which tells you a lot about the philosophy of uh, Ruben Amorim, which, who will come back to a, a wonderful coach. But Porto came back. And um, they attacked. It's, it's funny. The way that Manchester City played at Alvalade 
really made it clear that Pep Guardiola had seen the game on the Friday night because Porto managed to get at Sporting through the wide areas. And that's what City did every single time. They looked vulnerable um, behind um, the sides of that back three. And I think that was always going to be an issue for them. The front half of Sporting, midfield, up front, there's a lot to love. Defensively, Gonzalo Inacio, I think, will go on to be a really good player, but you know they're not quite them and the goalkeeper Adan. They've done a good job for them, but they're not quite that level. And I think that was always going to be a bit of a, a, a difficulty for them, as well as the fact we talked about players being rushed back, like Karim Benzema this week, for for example, uh, Pedro Gonçalves, uh, their, their main goal scorer from midfield, the kind of de facto Bruno Fernandes replacement, even though he's a very different type of player. He looked not quite at it. Um, his, his, his touch, you know, looked like a guy who'd been injured recently, basically. Um, and you can't afford that against Manchester City. But um, the, the, the Manchester City result, I don't think there'll be a hangover in terms of the league and in terms of what they're, they're, they're trying to do. They're going in, they're going in one, one direction. Um, the Porto punch-up, there will be repercussions. And there already are being repercussions because um, you'll have probably seen um, online the 40 person brawl not just the players uh, administrators etc 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 stewards were getting involved as well yeah, I was laughing at some of the clips that went around right. after yeah it was well uh, of <laughs> course well, I would expect the mascot to also it, get involved here if the stewards are getting involved well it, it, the, the, the thing with these guys in the suits it takes them longer to run across that's 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 Got the point. issue You've got to get your head under your shoulder first as well. Uh, the, of course, the centrepiece of it was uh, celebrated, in inverted commas, as uh, Pepe and um, Hugo Viana, the former Newcastle player and uh, now sporting director of um, sporting. Um, they, they had a, a, a bit of a scrap. There was loads of other stuff. Pepe and uh, Bruno Tabata of sporting, who also shoved one of the admin team of, of Porto, one of the management team of Porto. Um, they have both been provisionally suspended depending on a, a, a full investigation. As Marcus was saying on the ramble, they could potentially be suspended for up to two years. Whereas I, I think that's unlikely. Oh, that, that would be, that would be yeah, harsh. Because I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't yes. even call it a punch-up. Yeah, I, I, I think it was a bit of pushing and a bit of tickling. There, there weren't, like, a, lot, there weren't was, a lot of actual punches. Well, well, did you actually yeah, yeah. see handbags there? Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple it was, of handbags. It was, as well. pretty, it was pretty much that, and you know? it, it was interesting because uh, Federico Verandes, the president of Sporting, um, filed a criminal complaint against uh, Vitor Bayer, who's on the board, the former goalkeeper of, of, of Porto, um, against the press officer uh, Rui Sequeira, and also against Sergio Conceição, the, the, the coach. Now Conceição and um, Ruben Amorim seem to be acting rather as as peacemakers actually on, on on the pitch. Now, there was other stuff apparently that went on in the car park afterwards. Now we're getting into the realm of the big, just before Christmas 2009 dust up between um, Benfica and, and Porto, where you had uh, Hulk at the time and Christian Saponaru fighting with Benfica's stewards during the tunnel. And there are all sorts of inconclusive camera angles they both ended up getting very long bands Sapanaru and Hulk so there is precedent for this but in the short term the suspensions 
are going to affect Sporting more because um, João Palhinha was sent off. Sebastian Coates, their captain, was sent off. They're both suspended for it's the weekend. Last from the past, isn't it? it, it is. Isn't it just uh, Roberto is um, Ricardo is Gaio, um the, um, the defender, he, he got um, a fifth yellow card of the season, so he'll miss the game against Boavista at the weekend. And the main upshot of this game is Porto is still six points in front. Now, with 12 games left, no one has ever, ever in the history of the Portuguese league overhauled a six-point lead. Can you believe that? I mean, it, it's a big lead in any league. It's an absolute gulf in Portugal. Six-point leads never been overturned before in the entire history of the Portuguese leagues. But if anybody can, and you know, but we know that somebody can, could it be Amarina? I wonder, David. Well, I think he's already done the most difficult thing, and that was Sporting going without a title for eighteen years, was it? Yeah, yeah. So mm. six points might seem. You know, not much to him, I think. And considering all that he's done there, all of his work that do, he's done Do they there. need to just cut the idea of, you know, Champions League then to do oh, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they probably already had an idea coming into this this tie. It's a, it's They've a very, overachieved very... anyway, getting this yeah. far. Mm. Yeah, yeah and, and it's funny, Amarim's uh, rewards after, uh, words after, he just said it was, this game was, a, this tie was essentially a reward for the players yeah, yeah. and for all their their work what they've done and, and that he wanted to give them a and, hug and I imagine for him as well because I, I saw yeah. the uh, he, he gave uh, Pep Guardiola not a hug but a very warm handshake you yeah. could almost see him doffing his hat to Pep Guardiola and it's funnily that action and his words after I think sum him up really really well and why he's been so successful at Sporting I think one of the key things that he has clearly done as a coach, is build a relationship with his players, and I think I think they idolise him. I, he always says the right thing as well. Yeah. The fans love him. The fans look forward to his press conferences more than they look forward to the matches. Sometimes they must love him. But, because... but he he does it, but what by having a totally opposite approach to Mourinho. Of course, a lot was made of the fact that he said Mourinho was a, a model for him. Bit before the start start of the game, he was always going to say that. I mean, he's, yeah. he's Portuguese and he's in Portugal. <laughs> I, I mean, he was clearly going to say that. But in terms of the way he communicates, he's so he's so honest. They're not words for for, for headlines. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important. Fans respect that. Players respect that. And, you know, he's he's been brave. He's been daring. Maybe a little bit too daring in the way they played against Manchester City because every time they conceded a goal, they just... It didn't look good. They, 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 <laughs> they, they went back and attacked I, the game I, like they still believed they could get something out I admire, of it. I, I really, really admire that thought, though. Yeah, I think he'll look at the golfing class and say, "Okay, what have I got to lose? We can play it out, yeah. not, but we can play it out like a different way and go back and everything that has got us to this point. Fair why? Enough, fair Just enough. play to your strengths and to yeah. what you guys know. You still lose three 0 anyway. Yeah, yeah, you? exactly. So, so, so why not? And yeah, I don't think, and I don't think there'll be. I know it was a heavy loss, and some would say it was humiliating, but I don't think they'll be disheartened by it. It's a heavy loss, but nobody's calling for his uh, head, oh, are they? No, and and, and, I mean? and they shouldn't be. Like yeah. the difference, the difference in resource is is absolutely incredible. And as David said, he's overachieved at, at every level. You know, they they weren't even third favourites to win the title that they won last season. It, it was remarkable. You know, the first time they won the title since the days that 
Cristiano Ronaldo and Ricardo Quaresma were doing ball tricks in training every day. You know, it, it is. I remember you telling a, us it's that. A, it's astonishing. One, one new trick a day. One new trick a day. <laughs> <laughs> remember, you can always get in touch with us here at OTC, at Football Ramble, at Dawson Adibayo, at Andy Brassel, and at David Jacker. R R. Uh, handles this question from Dan. Uh, he says, following their loss last night, how do Inter rebuild such an aging squad to compete in Europe? That's a strong question, you know. It is, and I think sometimes we can put the result ahead of the actual content yeah. of the game. I thought Inter were pretty good uh, for for a lot of that game. Liverpool. I thought played it well as well in that they defended very well in the bits that they needed to. And then of course their, their, their two efforts on, on target ended up being goals. Um, but I don't think Inter need to be disheartened at all. Um, they You don't see a gulf between Liverpool and Inter in that. Uh, there, there is, there is a little gulf, but not, not an enormous one. And Inter made, made light of that for most of the night, um, yeah. largely due to Inzaghi's excellent coaching. I think if they had a different striker up front other than Zeko, Sia Lukaku was still there. I think they might have scored last hundred percent. I, I said, yeah. I said this on the ramble earlier, the sort of service that, Jekko was getting was not very Jekko yeah. compatible. Yeah. It was very Lukaku compatible. Definitely, mm-hmm. he w- he would have lapped it up, I think. And it's the first time, and this is a tribute to Inzaghi, really. The first time this season, as I said earlier, that I I feel that they've really missed Lukaku in in that game because he would have made an enormous difference. But you know, there are other. Uh, pieces that I, I think are, are good for the future. They've already got a new goalkeeper. I mean, Handanovic has been magnificent over the years, but um, Andre Onana from uh, Cameroon having left Ajax has uh, well, leaving Ajax in the summer, he'll be signing for Inter. He'll be a great goalkeeper for them for the, the next 10 years. I think you look at Bastoni in defence, who is an absolute prince of a centre-back. He's magnificent. The re-signing of Marcelo Brozovic um, to map it all out from the, the the base of the midfield. Lautaro looks like he's happy to stay there for a while. They need to make a few little tweaks, but I kind of feel like they're going in the, the right direction. It's just that moment that when Arturo Vidal is playing, you think, God, this team's old. <laughs> I think that's part of it. And of course, he stepped in and did okay, they are going to miss Berella over these two games. And for that ridiculous, ridiculous red card that he picked up in Madrid when they'd already qualified. Mm. So daft. Uh, this is for you, David, from Jamie. How has Kike Sanchez-Flores turned Getafe around since his appointment? Two clear things. Uh, Kike, as a coach, whenever he comes into a club, the first thing that he does is set up uh, structure shape organization as his his main main target for a team um he likes to make them hard to beat straight away mm. he'll be very very rigorous rigorous with his defensive exercises in terms of getting men behind the ball and just not letting teams play through you or penetrate you um so that's first and foremost he he does that really really well um i, I don't think he's an amazing coach but if there's anything he does well it it is that get that idea of of structure and shape across and secondly Atafi's president, Angel Torres, has got a lot of friends in Spanish football in terms of agents, in terms of contacts and such. Now, the calibre of players that they were able to attract in January, no other club should have been able to do. Borja Mayoral, uh, Gonzalo Villar, Oscar Rodriguez, 
these are players that uh, that Angel Torres has contacts with and uh, and such, and, and and this is why that that they'll be able to get those caliber players in. Other clubs, uh, Levante, Alaves, the teams that they are up against uh, down at the bottom, they're not able to to get those players in. So that's been a big big boost as well. And Atafe always do this really well. They can attract players because of Torres, who's he's yeah he's got a lot of good contacts in in, in the game, and I think that's what's helped them massively here. Hey, it's time for both of you to recommend a game of the week for us each. And there are a lot of games out there at the moment. Andy, do you fancy taking the first lunge at this? Yeah, uh, the game of the week for me is going to be it's going to be in Italy because I'm going to the Olympico for the first time. Oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to see uh, Roma play Verona, mainly because uh, my... Uh, Younger son is is a big fan of Roma, and also because of Romeo and Juliet, two households both alike in in dignity in fair in fair <laughs> Verona. Let me do that again, and also because of Shakespeare. Because let's face it, in fair Verona, this is the prologue. In case you don't know, of Romeo and Juliet, in fair Verona, um, two households. Oh God, let me do it one more time, <laughs> one more time, one more time, and also because of Romeo and Juliet. Because as you know, in the prologue uh, to Romeo and Juliet, it begins two households both like in dignity in fair Verona where we lay our scene uh, I think th- the question is will it be a Shakespearean tragedy for Jose Mourinho because they're under pressure at the moment he's been very publicly critical of his players interested to see what the atmosphere will be like and also interested to see who flips out first when it goes wrong will it be Jose Mourinho will it be my eight-year-old I'd probably go for Mourinho I'd go for him in terms of McHugh's show when he says, a plague on both your houses, they made worms meat out of me. <laughs> and what are you going to eat with it? Well, you know, it depends what's available. Um, obviously, I'm hoping for good pizza at various stages in Rome, but yeah, look, Romans, get in touch. <laughs> if you've got any tips... By the way, not in the way that Mark Antony said, get in touch in Julius Caesar. He simply said, friends, <laughs> Romans, uh, countrymen, just lend me your ears. Not your years. You, you obviously have got a great suggestion for a game of the week that has no way is going to enable me to quote Shakespeare. Absolutely not. That's your challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my game's Sunday, 8pm. Uh, it's the Basque Derby. It's like Athletic Bilbao yeah. versus Real Sociedad. Yeah, we've done this Basque Derby before, but remind us, why is this an important game? Oh, the Basque region is a very, very special region of Spain. And this derby is very, very special in the fact that, you know, it's not your typical derby full of animosity and, and fireworks. It's one where a lot of families and friends come together the you know they might have a friend who supports the other team and they'll watch it together the camera will pan around the stadium and you'll see an athletic fan next to a real Sociedad fan and it's yeah yeah it's it's like that it's 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 an interesting one it's an interesting dynamic and it's a time when I think Basque football is in a really really good place as well you got both teams fighting at the top of La Liga um, you got both teams under good coaches, both teams with a lot of very, very exciting young players. And it's 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 just a really, really nice thing to see, I think, to see basketball on top. So and you've yeah, got some family day. fair for us to enjoy together as a family? Um yeah, uh, empanadas. What's that? Yeah. It's like a it's like a South American pasty basically. If, if if Greg's added a bit of spice to one of their <laughs> their pasties uh, and such, and, and put some onion in there, a little bit of egg in there, Don't then a bit give of spice. Them the made. idea. Let's there just do it. You and I. <laughs> this time next year, we'll be billionaires. <laughs> 
This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.